Hosted by the Maddox Real Estate Team, Jason Maddox, Jamie Abitia, and Katrina Pryor, presented by Painless Podcast. To learn more about our services, check out our website at maddoxrealestate.com. So this bottle, I'm just going to read a little bit. So this is 73% Cabernet. All right. This is 11% Malbec, 6% Merlot, 6% Cabernet Franc. And four uh, percent petite verdot. Nice, I like it. So I, it's fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Pronounced Franck really well. Franck. Yeah. Franck. yeah. <laughs> it's got some Cab Frank in it. <laughs> mm, okay. Taste so we are going to thanks everybody for coming back to the podcast. This is going to be a a fun one because we got Rob and Jamie, and. <laughs> Rob and Jamie had a really good conversation, I think, last week, and Jamie called me right away and said, hey, this is a great idea for a podcast. Yeah, we should have recorded that. Well, we're going to today. Well, I don't think we can recreate that level of genius. (laughs) Can you hear me, Sam? Yeah. We're good. Uh, So, yeah, so we we did, the last couple podcasts we did, we did one, uh, the buyer, a buyer after a COVID market. Like yeah. buyer in a post in a post COVID market. market, yeah, and it did really, really, really well. So we're trying to figure out what the listeners want to hear, and it seems like everybody wants to know how to get a house because that's the challenge right now, right? <laughs> Nobody can get a house. I mean, Lisa was just telling me she has clients that are frustrated because they can't get a house, and the market's just going crazy. And I finally got some people into contract yesterday. Um, uh, property is listed for 925 over in Hercules and we're above a million quite significantly um, almost to a million fifty but you know we're, we're still above a million and it just kind of tells you at 925 for a hundred and some change over over asking and that's that's where the market's at right now right mm-hmm. um, my property on summer lane so we are almost a hundred thousand over asking there Wow yeah uh, and we had nine offers so and how do you think that'll comp with it being a townhouse well i think we might run into a little bit of an appraisal issue but not by much Mm -hmm. um there's one that just closed i believe 685 690 and so we're right yeah yeah so i think we're going to be okay uh but you know it might be a little shy but hopefully it'll come in Mm -hmm. it'll be good but anyway so rob and jamie talk tell us uh talk to us about what you guys discussed last week and yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be um, kind of just, you know, off the top of our heads, mm-hmm. trying to redo a conversation we had last week because that was really nice. Um, mm-hmm. I'll try to say it and then Rob will translate it eloquently and respond because <laughs> he always does. I butcher everything. But basically, we were saying, you know, our our being a buyer in a post COVID market episode did so well, and uh, we did an episode. I wasn't here, but you guys did an episode on like house hacking and trying to do ADUs or Airbnbs and all these different ways that you can, um, you know, make some income based on your house or additional income. And we were figuring, why didn't that do as well? And I said, I think that it's because people, the first step is even getting a house. To be in that privileged position where now you're house hacking, now you're adding ADUs and things like that, you have to even get a house. And that's a whole different story and a whole different conversation, especially because of how the market has just changed so rapidly in the past few years. I would say as of May 2018, we saw, I think it was May 2018, we saw a height in the market for that time. Mm -hmm. And I remember the average three bedroom, two bath, you know, a thousand square foot house 
Uh, I had one that was on the market at $499. We were in contract for $550, and we could not get the appraisal to come in at $550. It was, we actually got it to come in at $535. We had to renegotiate. Even that was a challenge. And, um, you know, the seller had to kind of bend, the buyer had to bend a little, and it ended up working out. But you move on to today, and that same three-bedroom, two-bath is now going for easily 650 potentially 700 just because of lack of inventory. Right. Mm-hmm. And that increase in just the past three going on now four years is absolutely insane, and I don't so think that's... buyers can really keep up with it. So my conversation with Rob was, what has to change? Because the standard... Too healthy in or yeah, too healthy income household can't really afford to be a first-time buyer at least in the Bay Area, right? They're getting pushed out. First, we saw them pushed out from San Francisco into Oakland. Now the Oakland market has exploded. Oakland into Pinole and Hercules used to be kind of the best kept secret, and now everybody's getting shoved to the other side of the bridge. Mm-hmm. We're talking Fairfield, Vacaville. Um, even that's becoming unaffordable. Right. Mm-hmm. They're going out to like Antioch, Oakley, Brentwood, different areas, and even farther. Mm-hmm. So my question to Rob was, you know, how, when is this going to change? Um, somebody asked me, what are they going to do? Do we think that they'll create 40-year mortgages, or is, are they going to bend in some way? And Rob had a really good explanation to why that wouldn't work. Well, I think it would be really irresponsible to do 40-year mortgages. I mean, if you look at it from... Um, like more of a macro perspective, like zoom out for a second, right? The federal government has manipulated interest rates continually for a very long time now, right? Going back to Clinton when they started doing quantitative easing, which lowers interest rates. And the idea is you lower interest rates on a myriad of products to make things more affordable for people to ease up on their budget, to increase cash flow to stimulate the economy, right? Because if people are spending less money every day on their car loan, on their credit card interest, on their mortgage payment, they have more money to spend at local businesses you know, on services, they can go out to the, you know, dinner, movie theaters, et cetera, and that keeps the economy going. You gotta spend money to keep the economy going. Um, and so quantitative easing is a, is a process where the Federal Reserve uh, does a number of things, but in effect, lowers interest rates. And when the market uh, kind of uh, momentarily crashed in March 2020 due to COVID, uh, the Federal Government, uh, the Federal Reserve, I should say, dropped the Federal funds rate to zero. It was at one and a quarter, they dropped it all the way down to zero caused a huge liquidity crisis in, in, in markets and started purchasing uh, mortgage-backed securities for one, corporate bonds, which I don't think they'd ever done before, which was completely unnecessary. They didn't need to stabilize the corporate bond market. Corporate companies on the, like the S&P 500, for instance, were overinflated as they were, so that they could, they could use a little correction or a crash, which they bounced back from very, very quickly. Anyways, they did that, and they, and they bought treasuries. And that stimulates those, um, those markets. And so not only does it lower rates for everybody and everybody gets a- access to 2% interest rates, which is incredible. Americans saved a lot of money you know, through refinances. People could afford a lot more on purchases. Um, not only did that happen, but um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, need, I need more wine. Are we going to edit this? Can we edit that out hey, so somewhere else? This is unscripted. Yeah, unscripted. I, I keep telling Jason, we know, I just, so what's say? We need to have this in the evening because like, I'm still on the waking up period. And I always, <laughs> you know, you're like in the wake up period and you're like ca- caffeinating and then alcohol. <laughs> Sounds smart. Ready? Go. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, Maddox Podcast After Hours, we've yeah. talked about it. We um, should do an After Hours podcast. I know. I know. Okay, so I'm back on the, I, I got my 
thought back. Okay, so the government, they manipulate interest rates, right? So what happens uh, when that occurs is you allow people to afford a lot more on a home purchase, right? So if you take the government out of rate manipulation, if you said, okay, mortgages will not be tied to a tradable security, which they shouldn't be in my opinion, because it's really irresponsible for governments to jump in and say, hey, we're going to take the place that you live, tie it to a security and trade it on the secondary market and sell it to Greece, China, you know, whoever wants to buy it. If you take that away, home prices are not going to rise as rapidly, right? Because what should draw home prices up outside of supply and demand, which we're way behind in right now, specifically in California, um, and a lot of places throughout the country, not everywhere, but specifically in California, primarily because California has two strict building rules. So we can't build new houses, right? So we've had a housing right. shortage, a housing start shortage for a really, really, really long time, right? So for every like one house built or one house, you know, uh, a housing start will be a house built or a family that leaves California and, and doesn't get replaced with one coming in. That's a housing start, right? Um, for every one of those, there's like six people that can buy that house. Mm -hmm, right. So there's just this huge supply demand thing going on. What should really be pushing um, prices up is, is incomes. And incomes don't go up 17% per year. I don't know about you, but did you get a 17% raise last year? No. No. <laughs> Neither did any of my clients, right? But that's what's been happening. And so you've got uh, one of the, I don't want to say one of the biggest crashes, but yeah, it was a pretty big crash. A lot of people unemployed. The government stepping into lower interest rates, makes things, making things more affordable for people. And what do you get in return? Home prices rising at a rate that's unaffordable for people. Yeah. So, and then very quickly, you see rates go up, 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 up. Last six months, they've gone up 2%. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. That's not sustainable for one, but two, what you've done is you've just created kind of a vacuum where you shot home prices up and then you raised rates. So now home prices have been pushed up because of rate manipulation. And now the people that are going after those homes can't afford them because the rates are now high again. And what have you really done? Well, you've made it really difficult for blue collar workers, people in the middle class every day, you know, moms and pops trying to buy homes. Mm -hmm. They can't afford to buy a house in their neighborhood. So what do they have to do? They have to drive an hour away. They used right. to be you drive up to Fairfield. Now Fairfield is not affordable. Can you imagine 10 years ago, five years ago, thinking Fairfield's not affordable? Right. Fairfield should be affordable. You know what I mean? If you go back, you got, Fairfield's starting to look like Walnut Creek a decade ago. I mean, as far as prices go, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, you talked about the privilege. Yeah, we're very privileged because we're in the business. And so we get the opportunities. We see them right when they come on the market. You know, mm -hmm. Jason and I, when I bought my first house, went and shook the guy's hand on the lawn, said, we're in lending, we're in real estate, we're not going to screw it up for you because he'd just been burned. Well, and we got the house. And not only that, but um, I had a client that made a really good point. She was looking at homes. And of course, because we're in the business, we look at these fixers and we're like, yeah, that's our gold, right? That's what we want to yeah. do. We want to go and make it exactly what we want. That's what I did with my house. You did with yours. You did with yours. I mean, it's yep. very common to do that. However, my client raised a good point. She's like, I'm a single mom. I'm working full time. Mm -hmm. I do not have the at time nor the energy nor the want to sit there and organize contractors to have to deal with contractors, especially because she works from home. And just to have to spend that money, I'm already putting a large chunk on the down payment. Now I have to go and spend that additional cash just to get it how I want. She is a prime example of somebody who said, I will pay a premium for something that is already done. No, absolutely. And so will a lot of people. But you have to understand, like, when we do these things, we're taking layered risks here because, you know, our business could go up or down. We could we could not make any money for the next six months if the market crashes, right? right. Also, if we buy one of these properties, we're, we're expending a lot of money at a very high interest rate and trying to turn it around very quickly. And if the market crashes, we're stuck with that. That's all on us. We take... Yeah. huge liability for doing this and a lot of people don't like and they're not comfortable with that level of risk so they want to buy a house that's already done they don't want a high interest rate short-term mortgage mm -hmm. they don't want to manage contractors they don't want to spend all their money fixing up and they want to move in and have it be turnkey and I, that's great because there's people like you know 
us that don't want that. Yeah. We like high risk and high reward. And that's kind of like, it's a gamble, you know? It's yeah. how much do you want to gamble? So yeah. let's transition the conversation a little bit to more of like the agents. What is your perspective on it? Because to get, let's talk about to get an offer accepted these days. For these houses that are turnkey, obviously everybody wants them. Mm-hmm. And every buyer wants them. They don't want to have to do any work. It's all flipped. It's all brand new and shiny. The roof's new, the sewer's done, everything's done. What are you guys seeing out there? <laughs> Go ahead. You want to start with me? Um, okay, so I'll, I'll go back to our project we did on Renfrew um, in El Sobrante. It's a two bedroom, uh, just shy of 800 square feet, yeah. one bath. Uh, and we did pretty much everything. I mean, we did new roof, new sewer, new, you know, redesigned the kitchen. I made it amazing. Um, we got 24 offers on it. And 24 offers the week before Christmas. I hope I get 24 offers on my flip. So, I mean, and the thing is, though, you know, I mean, I go into a lot of different properties. I see a lot of really shady properties that are, you know, they're they're flipped yes. investors, right? Yeah. They look like there's just well, something flip, hiding behind the walls. Flip is a derogatory term. It in really the industry is. Because yeah. you, you have this, like, you're a flipper. Yeah. Like, I mean, and when we do a project, we kind of like, we like to call ourselves the redesign, you know, redesign, renovators, things like that. But that goes back to doing everything for a buyer, not expecting, we weren't expecting to get 652000 for a two bedroom, one bath home, but we put a lot of love into that. We put a lot of, we did the work right and we spared no expense. We did new roof, new sewer. A buyer had, didn't have to do anything. Move right house in. They get to house? enjoy the house. No, it's not <laughs> well, I mean, we, we got it in the, you know, high threes, yeah. but I mean, it was a huge risk. We didn't know what was going to happen with the market, right? right. I mean, it could have gone down. It could have gone down and we could have put a hundred thousand into it and we could have been broke even. I mean, that's where kind of, we were thinking, oh God, we, we've got to, we're well, going to probably break even. We're not going to make any money on this. That's what we thought. And it was scary timing during the holidays. Very scary. typically the holidays is a really slow time. And it was a little bit of a slowdown, right? right? There was a little slowdown there for like November beginning of December, right? Yeah, we were no, worried. Yeah. We were like, I was worried. I was thinking, I'm going to sell my <laughs> yeah. house. It's going to be done in January. I'm like, this is the worst time of the year to sell this. Right. Place. We were just freaking right? out. I overspent by like $50,000. Yeah. But I mean, that just goes back to, to, you know, show you when something is done, people will walk in and they'll go, we want it. I like, we're going to pay for it. my open house. I'm really nervous. It will. You're going to do fine. Yeah. I mean, you're going to. It's normal to have nerves. You got a great house. Can we plug that for a minute or will this not be out by then? Go ahead. Uh, when are you, you're on the market now, right? Yeah, offer date is Tuesday, next Tuesday. Uh, we won't, we may not be on yet, but okay. everybody buy Rob's house. It's really cool. Buy my house and go download the disclosure. <laughs> I want everybody to go download the disclosure. So I, like, yeah, I got 80 disclosures out. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, Renfrew was the prime example of people came in and, you know, it wasn't just one or two couples uh, or families or anything like competing. It was 24 people. In El Sobrante, yeah. It was absolutely insane. And I mean, we did a fabulous job. I will I will pat us on the back for mm-hmm. that. But it just goes to show you that people are willing to pay for what they do not have to do. And we've just created another price point in the market now. And now we've got 23 other buyers that have to pay a little bit more. So... Which, you know, I mean, we're... We did it obviously to, I mean, my whole goal wasn't, I mean, of course we all want to make money. I'd be lying if I said that's not the reason, but you know, I, I like to create something beautiful for somebody to enjoy. That's just (laughs) kind of what I, you know, I just, I've always been like, you know, and Jamie too. And so I really think we put so much into it and the energy in it was so good that that's why people responded to it. And I, you know, again, it's, it's. So, so let's talk about uh, a little bit on that, the offers that came in. 
Um, I usually have my statistics on every property. I don't know if I had them on this one, but can you guys speak on what it takes to get your offer accepted? What are you having to do for buyers right. or having to um, teach buyers to do? Or it is like a that. process yeah. from the very get-go. The, the buyers have to go in and, and learn that they just can't go in. That they just can't go in like they all expect and find a house, take their time, find a house and yeah. put an offer and get it. Yeah. Um, there is a process and there's an educational process as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it is and it does take a time and sometimes they have to be, get beat up a little bit prior to figuring it out. Yeah. Um, and we're in the process now with a couple people getting beat up. One has actually priced herself out of the market by waiting for the yeah I've seen that I, I never I had a client tell me the other day they wanted to wait and I was like well, why do you want to wait so okay and, and I want to clarify this because I was trying to tell my clients this the other day and I want to make sure that I'm saying the right thing because I'm not a lender sure now they were thinking okay well if we're buying a house now with the interest rates where they are if we wait until the end of the year and interest rates are up we're basically now buying that same house for a lot higher price. So we've actually kind of got to go down in price a little bit. Now, it kind of explained that a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, you're right. So uh, there, there is like if, if a house price it comes down, but you're paying a, a higher rate for it, you can have a higher payment pretty easily. Like yeah. rate is really important, but rates are already higher. I mean, I locked a rate this morning, gonna shock you at 4.75%. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. A high, that was a real reaction. A high balance no, wow. mortgage. I was shocked. And, and and I locked it today before there was a crash in the bond market this morning. It dropped 85 basis points, which means rates went up a quarter percent after I locked it. So theoretically, investors don't know how to price right now because the market's in a free fall. Mm -hmm. And so things will settle out and probably come back down a little bit before another free fall occurs. But the feds came out and said, we're going to hike rates four times before May. Four times before May. These wow. people need to pull their head out of their, you got to bleed this out, out of their ass. <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. They're just taking a sledgehammer to the economy. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And Jerome Powell is saying we're going to curb inflation by doing this. He's not going to curb inflation. He's lying to the American people because quantitative easing causes deflation because it strengthens our bond and treasury markets and it causes international investors to pour money into those markets. And when you say we're going to uh, hike interest rates and we're going to stop buying mortgage-backed securities and treasuries, guess what happens? Other investors don't want to do that because if they just wait a year, they'll get a better yield on those same treasuries and those same bonds, right? And if the federal government is no longer backing that, it's not as stable of a market either. And so money flows way out of it. And what does it do? It actually causes inflation. It pushes inflation up. Whoa. So they're lying to the American people. He lied to Biden when he said, renominate me and I'll curb inflation. And I don't know why Biden's economic advisor didn't see this, but this guy's done this in the past. He did this in 2018. Uh, when he was nominated by Trump. And he said, we need to take this under control. We shouldn't be in quantitative easing for so long. And at that point, I agreed with him. But we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we had just gotten out of like eight years of Janet Yellen not doing any quantitative tightening. She just let quantitative easing go after we had recovered. She could have just really slowly raised rates, you know, quarter percent per year. She could have just really slowly sold up mortgage-backed securities. And what she did is she kind of handed it off to the next guy. And they go, we got to change this. We got to reduce our balance sheet. It's not good for the feds to be engaged in this process indefinitely, right? Mm -hmm. But Jerome Powell is just so aggressive with it. Four times, we're going to rate hike rates four times before May. Do you know how many job openings there are in the United States right now? It's like 4 million job openings and close to 300,000 jobless claims. They see the economy's coming back. Inflation is over 7%. Gas prices are close to $5. And Jerome Powell comes out and says, the economy's doing well. We're going to raise interest rates. What? <laughs> right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then meanwhile, our buyers are paying the price for this. Because right. 
prices just went through the roof because rates were so low. And now they're out trying to get their own home and they're going, what, I got to pay four and a half, five percent Depends on the loan product. Some loan products are a lot lower than that. It really varies right now. It's kind of weird. Like jumbo loan products are in like the mid to low threes. Low balance loan products are like the high threes to 4%. High balance conventional loan products are atrocious right now. They're absolutely terrible everywhere you go. That product is never priced well, but right now it's just awful. So that's the, that's what we're living in. It's crazy. It is. And meanwhile, because of all that fear, by the way, the Federal Reserve had not hiked, has not hiked rates yet. They have not started the process of reversing quantitative easing, but the market has already anticipated it. So as a result, the bond market has crashed. Uh, the 10-year Treasury yield has gone up, which we don't want. Uh, the stock market has, cont continues to get hit really hard. And uh, crypto markets have completely crashed. They were in like a flash crash and then it just continued to sump. Oh, I was so part of that. A huge yeah. amount of liquidity has just been zapped from the market over the last like eight weeks. Yeah. That's a lot to take in. It's a lot to Even take in. Even as somebody... <laughs> That's a lot to take in, I'm sure. Business. I'm going to get bumper stickers to say F. Jerome Powell. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to know what they mean, but I will. I know. Wet what, my your whistle. whistle. Wet my whistle. <laughs> um, let's talk about. <laughs> I know, right? Let's talk a little bit about, um, I think, different loan products for you know the, the new buyers that are getting into the market right now and how that basically how that looks we can speak at it from like a seller's perspective um, when we're guiding our sellers when they're taking offers and then as a buyer when you're guiding your buyers how do the different loan products rank what would you suggest you know there's a lot of cash floating around out there um, why do we think that is things like that yeah i mean that's very true this property there's a lot of cash out there, there's a lot of cash out well, there still yeah but why because well and this is the thing too so this property that we just went on contract went in contract on uh, on coronado um there was two cash offers uh so there were six offers total my clients got it because they're an amazing family and the seller really then the seller really um you know just it was their everything they, they loved about them that's what they want for you know Okay, leave tell their us house how to somebody. you got that over to them, to the sellers, uh, well, without writing a letter. Well, we, we, we might have write a, wrote a little bit of letter, you know, a little letter. You um, broke the CAR rules? Well, <laughs> well, no. No. A letter? First of all, so uh, it's how, up to the seller. How dare it, they it, want so, to accept it or not. Right, so it's up to the seller. You don't um, have to include What I do typically, though, is I write a nice little letter for the That's agent, right? right? Yeah to relay to the seller mm. um if they want to tricky i mean they you know so but i'm writing it to the agent these are some this is an amazing yeah. family blah 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 blah. so anyway i'm not really sure how the agent presented it to the seller but i do know that the seller really fell in love with the fact that this is a, a young family with a baby that's going to come in and they're going to take the house that they they raised their kids in and they loved this house and they're going to create new memories there and they're kind of leaving that you know which leaving that to a right. which is the seller's right right yeah, seller said is. seller said i don't want this to go to investors what seems to be big now is and i know this because i i talked to a, a lot of people that came through my open house on summer lane people want to buy homes for airbnb so I, I'm pretty sure that a few of those offers offers could have been Airbnb people, right? Yeah. We're going to buy this house and we're going to charge 600 bucks a night or whatever. I mean, it's a pretty big house. Um, but part of the, you know, how we got that through, you know, 
I think this is important. I mean, as an agent, I mean, if you, you, you have to have, there's a strategy, obviously, right? As agents, we have to have somewhat of a, a good reputation in the industry. Totally. Right. We have to, uh, we, you should have a good reputation, right? Because we know some agents that don't, and we're, we don't want to work with them. And they have take nicknames. Them Let's uh, take them one away. Right, that's the After Hours podcast. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, we you, you develop a relationship with the agent in some way, right? Um, you're communicative. Yes. You, which you would be mind blown if you understood, or like when we took offers on Renfrew, when I take offers on any property, the amount, there's a very small percentage, but they're still there of agents who do not communicate in any Absolutely. way, shape, right. or form. Right. And, it's and you get an offer from them and mind. you're like, who the hell are you? Have yeah. I talked to you? Have you called me? Have you looked at the disclosures? Right. Yeah. I mean, in it, sometimes they haven't, sometimes they have, sometimes they just kind of, they'll give you the call the day of as you're taking offers. Hey, just want to introduce myself. Who are you? I've been talking to these people for a week. I saw the house a week ago. You haven't talked to me one time. And that really means a lot because not only are you accepting, you know, you're guiding your client on what offer to accept, but who's going to get the deal done? Who do you feel comfortable with? Yeah. I mean, the the, the negotiate, can't talk now. I've had too much wine. The negotiation is very important. (laughs) I know, right? Um, (laughs) I know. Um, You'll talk better. (laughs) But, you know, that, that the strategy of, and, 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 you know, it's, I like. I just like to create that relationship. It's not because I, I want to get something done. Of course, it's part of the you know job. I want to get. I do want to get it done for the client. But I have a great relationship with my client. Yeah. In my clients, you right. They're a great family. I've worked with them since 2017. Right. We've I we've I've nurtured them. We've we've gone through a lot together. Had a lot of conversations. Looked at a lot of houses. Finally, you know. I mean, I've seen them through before marriage, during marriage, baby. In right. the belly to now, yes, mm-hmm. to now the baby and, you know, now the baby's eight months old and now I get to meet the baby and I get to see him grow and it's yeah. like, this is so cool. Wow. So I have that relationship with my clients and then, you know, you're, you're relaying this information to the agent while you're creating that relationship with them and it's huge. And, and one of the, one of the things the agent did say to me was one of the reasons why I, we chose your offer. First, we love the family and I love how you continue to communicate with me, but you didn't bother me. You right. did it. You yes. did it right. There's a line. There's a fine line. <laughs> yeah. And you have to the tiptoe on that. That's actually the, my most recent offer I got accepted. She said the same thing. She's like, I, I'm choosing you because one, you're, well, I'm giving you the counter because your clients, I can tell she's qualified, but not only that, you guys had the most professional offer presentation. Your team seems the most professional, meaning me and the lender that she's working with. And you just seem like you'd be really easy to work with. I can't say this about these other two agents. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then that's, that's a big deal. That, it's huge. afforded us the opportunity for a counter because we weren't really in the running as far as you know, price went at first. Well, you're going to take a, you're going to take a property. You're going to market pending. You're going to get into a relationship and in contract with these people. And you never know, are they going to take you for a ride? Are no. they going to, they're going to respect you and walk through the process. They can delay depositing their earnest money. Right. Are they going to delay removing contingencies? Are they going to come try and beat you up after they get the appraisal or the inspection <laughs> right. reports, you know? Right. I mean, all sorts of things can happen and you really need to have that level of trust and go, are these people easy to work with? Do they communicate well? Do I trust them? You know, some people you wouldn't trust them as far as you could throw them. Right? Absolutely. And so you don't want to get in contract with them. Are they going to change the loan halfway through? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So you, so you guys, let's let's talk to you guys a little bit because uh, we, we've been we've been like you know talking so much. Now, how do you when you're working with a client and you're you're out there writing offers? So like, what do you guys do? What do you you know? What is your well, what, is, what is your strategies? I have like, a how two, do you... uh, to go off of that. Yeah. So two things. How are you educating your buyers? You talked about it. It's mm-hmm. an education process. And then two, 
you've been on the listing side, obviously you've mm -hmm. educated your sellers and you guide them. What are you looking for when you're on the listing side and how are you educating your buyers with that knowledge? Well, just telling them, this is what I do when I'm representing a seller. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is, I want you to step into a seller's shoes for a little bit and see yourself that way. Right. And what are you looking for? If you're a seller in this market, when, you know, let's say inspections are provided, uh, things are provided, there's a, enough comps and stuff. What are you looking for? How are you weighing these different offers? Because just to go off on a tangent for a second, I know we talked to you and you said, yeah, I take a VA and I take this and I take that on my property. But it, when it really boils down to it and you've got all these qualified mm -hmm. buyers on the table, I think we've all known from a seller's perspective too and even representing sellers that you're looking for the least risk right right Absolutely. right, right. Yeah, you yeah. Are. and that's what we tell them you know there's going to be if you're doing an fha offer you're going to be a little bit down the the seller want list um compared to say a cash or even a, yeah. a conventional with a strong cash down mm -hmm. yeah um so just letting them know that we're going to have to do other things um, in order to get their offer accepted. Uh, and it may be um, sweetening the pot in other ways. We Donating do. a kidney? Right. When necessary. Yeah. Throwing it in a few times. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to build a, a rapport with the listing agent yeah. and the, the seller. And again, that's why it's so important to keep these relationships golden right. is because you never know when you're going to be on the other side of it. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. We showed a property not long ago and we went in and the listing agent was actually there at the property. She was, I think, leaving as we were coming in and she couldn't get a light on. And oh, yeah. I got down on the ground to help her turn on the light just because, you know, I would want somebody to help right. me. And she's like, well, if you guys write an offer, make sure you let me know you're the one who got down on the floor to turn oh, on the light. That's oh, nice. You're the light people. If I yeah. have to turn on the light to get an offer accepted, no, right. then I'm going to turn on the right. light. Right. <laughs> but, but I mean, and, and it, it all goes down, comes down to like how professional are we, you know, in just as agents, as people, as exactly. Right. I mean, we mm -hmm. do what we need to do to be as professional, as loving and caring to the client, because that just shows and, mm -hmm. you know, to other agents, to the clients. I mean, it, it, the, the, the energy level of care. I mean, that's well, what and, that's what it's all about. And it's not only because we have to, it's because that's who we truly are as people. Right. Like what we've always said, right. this is a mm -hmm. relational business for us. This is not transactional. You will you'll you'll do your work and the money will come, but never focus on that. And right. I think that's one thing that has always set us apart. And clients feel that too. I mean it's almost challenging because every time you close a deal, now you have new friends. Now you have new people to catch up with every yeah. week. And right. you want to go to lunch with them and you want to hang out with them. Yeah. And you know you're you're that's great. That's exactly what you want. But we were always joking like how the heck do you go to lunch with somebody every you have to go to lunch with somebody That's every single day? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you have to have events yeah. and you have to get creative totally. and things like that. But we really do become friends. I would say ninety-five percent of my clients, there may be a few that you know There's a few you want to break up with. But um for the most part I would say we really you know, try to be our true authentic self and attract the people that we want in our lives. And it's not just business at that point, yeah. you know? And I think that's how, you know, the right thing will happen. You know, uh, I used to always say to clients, well, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And, it, and it's true. You know, I mean, you put out the right energy. You, you, yeah. you do find the right house. Like, you know, you miss one over here and you're bummed, but then you find this one and you go, oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't get that one yeah. because now I have this one and it's amazing. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and 
you know, the, the, the property we've got in Coronado with our, with our clients, uh, our mutual clients. I mean, it's, I'm so happy for them. I mean, the, she cried, he cried, I teared up. I'm like, oh my God. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the baby was crying. It was crazy. You're tearing up now. I see it. I know. Just let I know. it out, Jason. But I mean, these are the things, these are true emotions. No, true it's, it's good. It's really good. It's really, you good. know, and that's, I think what, what it takes to get, to be in the market and it to, is. you yeah. know, yeah. along with the education. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a tough market. It is did a tough a, market. Do you have a good lender on that one? Under, I had a okay. fantastic one. wrote the pre-approval and right. the, yeah. 21 day close. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Oh, I know. Doctor is too. I, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> After I've been hours. doing this thing. I'm scared of what the podcast I know. After we've been drinking all day. We should do a second podcast at night after we drank from 11. All day? Oh, my God. The truth comes out. Watch us do our after hours podcast. It's going to be super kosher. <laughs> Pretty oh, awesome. Man. Can we open some so, more wine? Yeah, well, we've got the white. Is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. All right, this is a good one. This is a nice little sweet um, bocce. This is from my Visa Tui. So while you open that, um, I'm just going to keep it going about, you know, for the first time buyers listening that want information or trying to figure out this market because it is ever changing. Even from the last time we did an episode, I feel like the market's a little crazy yes, now. Yes, yes. Um, I was doing some research the other day. I was actually preparing a. Uh, uh, seller's value report for a listing that I have coming up and I have to finish this first. Hold on. Because <laughs> she's not going to miss out on a first. Oh, oh, wait. Uh, but a seller's value report and I was going through and every, every few months I do this or every few weeks even and I look at what the housing market is doing in different areas, right? So I'm going to very much zero in on like Panola and Hercules. Um, the last year, Panola and Hercules, because that's where we're central, uh, Panola and Hercules homes were selling on average of about 7% over asking price. Mm, right. So when you're educating buyers, are you do you have buyers, and like we said, they have to lose out sometimes and kind of get beaten yes. up by the market. Do you have buyers that are unrealistic? It's almost a return question, but unrealistic about the prices and where they'll be going because yeah, you're saying on average 7% over listing price today for the last numbers that I ran for Hercules, on average, even for a not fixed up home, 10%. And yeah, that ranged from seven to 19%. Well, so when at I least. put my house in the market in Oakland, I did it. I had um, a, a report pulled for 12 months of sales. I looked at the average uh, list of sales price was 15.9% above oh uh, list price. Yeah. And that was including yeah. ones that like sold average. right at or around or below list. So there were some bring down the average. So I looked at the hottest ones, they were selling like 20 to 25%. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Oakland market is, is like that. So it is. I wanted like over a million, so I had a price like 799. It was funny because I would send it to people and they're like, what do you think you're gonna get? And I was like, oh, a little over a million. They're like, I told you, you remember I told you, yeah. you're, you're like, oh, I'm gonna be happy uh, if I get this. And I'm like, you're gonna go over a million on this. Yeah. yeah. Like this is a cool house yeah. and it's in a great area and i mean yeah. oakland is the new san francisco yeah and people are you know they're just moving out yeah. and it's i mean to get a great house like that in a great yeah. neighborhood yeah you're you're over yeah. well, easy with an adu macarthur and seven area is not quite the new san francisco but it's getting there <laughs> it's getting there it's getting there well i don't know I, I, yeah I, I, soon it will be <laughs> what part of tenderloin <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's a really nice topic. neighborhood there's nothing bad that happens there. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. I mean, things are things are crazy. So I think that's really important coming into this market. Like my goal is to always educate my buyers, even before they're ready, before they've even talked to a lender. When they come to me fresh, 
just brand new, don't know what they're doing, I immediately start sending them disclosures, explaining things to them, saying, right, hey, right. this is what no contingencies mean. Mm -hmm. uh, just explaining pricing strategies. Think like a seller. A seller is listing this property so that they can get as many people through the door as possible. It is not a transparent pricing market. Every once in a while, I'll find a buyer that says, what about this one? It only went for 5,000 over. They're the exception to the rule. Right. They are yes. absolutely not the rule. Well, this role. is really helpful because then when buyers come to me and then I'm like, did, did your realtor tell you what a contingency is? No, what? You know, <laughs> and then I've got to like re-explain all the things that right. Jamie's explained during the initial concept. It makes it really easy when I'm doing the loan presentation. Yeah. And it's always nice to kind of have that backup or kind of that cosign or double down on everything that your agent said. And when you hear it from multiple sources, it's like, okay, this must be true. It's not just sales. Right. right. I tell everybody, this isn't sales speak. There's app. I will continue to work and make money for days to come. Right. This is not, I'm not trying to pressure you into any situation. I'm never trying to just do it for my benefit. I'm just telling you, I know what it takes to get a house or to get your offer accepted on a house in this market. Right. And I'm trying to be that savvy agent that you need because if you have anybody less than, good luck to you. Right. You're going to be searching for two years yeah. and then you're right. priced out. I have yeah. um, a few people in my list of, you know, clients, I guess you would say, that I call professional buyers. Um, one person in particular that was so has been so scared of the market for the past few years. You know, do you think I can get this place at 450? We're talking three years, or it was 420 three years ago. And it sounds like it's too much. It's listed at 399. I think it's a great buy. Now the conversation three years later has changed. Do you think I can get into there for under 600? Well, you could have got into there for 420 three years ago, and no, now this. this is so yeah. Now you're now you're now you're changing with the times, mm -hmm. but you could have had equity. You could have. We've had seen a this movie payment. so many times. I've t I remember telling telling a gal one time. This is like the the best most perfect example because she got mad at me later. Like, and she was like, I'm going to wait and save up more money. And I was like, don't, don't do that. You have enough now. Just buy now. Rates are low now. You have enough money now. If you wait, and I sent her an analysis, so your payment's going to be higher. So you're going to, your, her parents wanted her to have 10% down. So I said, if you wait, the purchase price will be higher. The rates will be higher and you'll, your payment will be higher. And she said, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyways. And then she went to Disneyland in Florida and spent half her down payment. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. God. So six months later to the day, she gets in contract. I send her an analysis. Rates were a half percent higher. The home price was uh, about five to seven percent higher. I don't remember exactly. Her payment was quite a bit higher. Yeah. I send out the analysis and your rates locked. Here are your options. Tell me which one you want. Her mom calls me and starts kind of like not chewing me out, but kind of drilling me. Why is the rate so high? Why is this? I said, okay, you know, Miss So and So, did your daughter tell you that six months ago I told her to buy and this is what the payment would be and this is what the rate would be? And I told her if she waited, this is what the payment and rate would be. No. I said, well, let me forward you this analysis. And it was exactly what I told her it would be. And she bit her tongue and she said, okay, you've given us good advice. We're going to go with this option. I now see that I should have advised my, I mean, it was like, I couldn't believe it that she took a humble approach and was like, yes, yeah. you were right. But I was like, yes. Well, you because, just you know, had to prove like, it. Yeah. You've you got to show these people. Yeah. And I wasn't happy that they were getting a, a, a worse deal, but it's yeah. like, I was happy that they saw the light and was like, yeah, you were right. You, had, you know, I literally yeah. told the client the other day and I told you so is a lose-lose. It doesn't help right. me and it doesn't help you because if you lose on, out on a house over $5,000, which, you know, sounds like a lot, but when you're financing it over 30 years, it's nothing. 
you lose out on a house over five thousand dollars now that house becomes the new comp for every house it you're looking totally for does. for every house you're looking yep. for for this spring and summer right. market and now not only that but interest rates are going up so now your payment that you wanted to stay within now you're paying more for the house you're getting less and your interest rates higher yeah mm-hmm. it, it's right. a, a and i told you so i don't want to teach anybody any lessons right. it doesn't right. it's not what i want to do it doesn't work out for me it doesn't work out for you but sometimes it feels really good <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah sometimes i made it jamie i mean the thing is though you know no, when, really. when, when they're ar- when really. they're arguing with you you're like this is what I do every single day. No, yes. I wake so I wake that, up every morning. That one was like, because I, I told them and I was like, can I talk to your parents? Like they're giving you bad advice. Like you should do this. And then they were coming at me like I was offering them a bad deal. And I was like, no, rates went up. And I told you rates would go up. Yeah. And then I showed her and then like she was like, okay. And you know, the cool part about it was like she was finally like, like I'm going to trust you now because you like what you said actually happened and the advice you're giving is actually real. And like, I'm not going to like doubt you again because yeah. it burned them once. They realized yeah. we should probably trust Rob now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's yeah. what helped me. Cause I was like, it was so hard fighting with these people for like six months. And then, yeah. And another good point too, because, um, you know, everybody's like, well, what if the market changes? What if I wait and what if prices go down? This is what I usually tell people. The market very well could change, but um, it's just like equity. Equity is sitting there. It does nothing for you unless mm-hmm. you choose to cash out, refi, or pull yeah, that money right. out in some way. It does right. nothing for you. It's just like the value going down a little bit, as long as you can afford your mortgage payment and you're comfortable on that, the decrease in value, you'll have time to recover from mm-hmm. the ebbs and flows of the market. Right. You own a home, you're paying down that home, and I can almost guarantee you, being in the Bay Area, I'd put my life on it, that you're gonna have a ton of equity in the next 10 years. 10, 20 you know? years, for, absolutely. absolutely. I, I have always told people, the best time to buy was 10 years ago. The second best time, probably nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth. And it is only always a good time when it's a good time for you. If you can't do it, if you're putting yourself in a pinch or a bind to afford a house, then it's probably not a good time for right. you. But if you can do it, if you can make it work, do it so because can I, tell, can I tell a quick story? Like really sure. Quick so last sure. night I took too much melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, these five milligrams dissolvable and they're really tasty so I took two <laughs> and I was like alright I'm going to sleep good tonight right and I did I slept super good and I had a really really vivid dream and in my dream uh, somebody said you should go buy this house and it was like a four bedroom three bath house and it was like 700,000 and I was like well I don't really want to spend money on a house right now I have a house that I like even though mine's like a three one but like my wife and I are trying to have kids like so we're going to need like a bigger house right um, little bambinos running around um, and so I was like, all right, so I bought it. And then in my dream a little while later, it was like worth 1.2 million. And I had other clients who were kind of trying to come in and buy. And I was like, looking back and I was like, wow, I'm so glad I bought that house when somebody told me I should have bought that house. And I can't believe that I thought it was so expensive then. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then I woke up thinking, where is this four bedroom, three bath, $700,000 house? <laughs> I can't find it. Yeah. Right. Right. And I'm thinking, I, it kind of motivated me because I've been like, I need to get out of my house, right? Because I, it's not sustainable for me to live my three one forever, you know, with my um, my my drug house two doors down selling meth. Welcome to Bay Area. Welcome. Honestly, could be you could you could be anywhere with that yeah. description. Yeah. But it's important that people that people know that that and and you know your first home. I think we're all a little spoiled, especially in this market, because of all the flips and all the deals and things out there. Or not deals, but you know the flips and getting exactly what you want. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah, not deals. Scratch that. Back in the day, your first home wasn't supposed to be sexy. It wasn't supposed to be the forever home. It's no. a stepping stone, and stepping I still think people need to realize that my first home. I can live with the oak cabinets. I can live yeah. with the carpet in the bedrooms. I can live with these things, and I. I can change them 
as I want to and, yeah. you know. Can afford to. Yeah, <laughs> as I can afford to and reap the benefits when I sell or hold on to it forever, make that an income property, and yeah. then take, you know, when the market does well, go and buy what you really want. Mm -hmm. So I think people kind of lose sight of that too. Right. Everybody thinks they have to get right exactly now. what they want yeah. right now. And it's like- Your it's, first house should be a shithole. <laughs> Great. Oh, are those rats in your attic? Is that mold in your closet? <laughs> Welcome to the dream, mold baby. Is gold. Welcome to the dream. <laughs> mold is right. dream. Mold is gold. People are like gold. shocked, holding their keys. What just happened to me? No, yeah. seriously. Like you're, you're right. You overpay for these turnkey homes. I would way rather have a completely outdated. My first house had linoleum in oh the bedroom God. on I remember the floor. That. Yeah. Linoleum. Yeah. And Star Wars shower curtains, which Jason loved. I loved them. <laughs> for the windows. I hear no problem. For the window, because the, the kid was allergic to, so they had to have linoleum everywhere. It was, yeah. had linoleum. I mean, unbelievable, right? Yeah. It's like, no, yeah, you want a house with linoleum in the bedroom? And you bought yeah. it and you Same loved linoleum. it, and now it's Five amazing. Months. And I kept that linoleum for like a year and a half, too. I didn't even touch it. I was like, that's right there. <laughs> I remember Pablo lived with us for like a, a month or two while he was looking for a yeah. condo. Did he live with the, anole the linoleum? Yeah, and he came in and he like and bought his staging furniture. He put down this big area rug. He like made it look beautiful. I was like, yeah. wow, you really turned this place around. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. How are we doing on time, Sam? Good. Okay. Probably quite over. Well, I think we've covered a lot of topics today. I think we've touched base on a lot of things that will hopefully be very beneficial to first-time home buyers yeah. and people out there trying to navigate this market. It's super crazy. Um, if you have a takeaway from today, I would say get somebody on your side that knows what they're talking right. about. Right. It's not for our benefit. I promise you that. Whether it be us, which I hope it is, or another agent that's telling you these things and we're just kind of doubling down on it, know that we're just trying to get you a house. Our goal is to you know help you be happy, get the right. place you want, and um, live the American dream, truthfully. That's the American right. dream. Spend all your money on a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm a little too honest with people, but yeah. you know, and, and I these specific clients that were our mutual yeah. clients, they're like, we really appreciate your honesty. I mean, I think I've. People want honesty. I, I think yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, they yeah. didn't buy a couple of houses because of the things I said, and so, yeah. it, you know, I sometimes I've I just there, yeah. because yeah. I I would you know I treat them as if I'm I'm thinking for myself or my family. It's like, do you really want this? I don't know. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not so sure about these fixes. You know what I mean? Well, like, thing, and we'll be honest too. It's like I can live with this. You can change. That. You can change you can that, that absolutely. That's great, these you'll, are the red flags. You'll give advice that turns down a sale. I mean, I hear I will. Jamie, I hear from you all the time. No, you shouldn't buy this. No, you shouldn't do this. No. I don't want you to you know, <laughs> right. it's like, and it's like that would, that's not making you money. Right. right. Yeah. But at the same time, we've all had clients where we said this floor plan yeah. is not working. Exactly. And yeah. it worked perfect for them. So we really yeah. have to watch how we too. say it. It's yeah. very I've true. I've too where I've, yeah. I've challenged them a little bit and they're like, no, but this is why I'm like, okay, it works yeah. for you. Not what yeah, I would exactly. want. And then you kind of have to step back from your personal Some people preference. thrive in dysfunction. So you just got to remember that. <laughs> there's, <laughs> a, right. there's a fine balance, but I think at the end of the day, we always have our clients' best interests in mind. We do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we, we want the best for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. We should get a client in here one day and just completely get them. I was we actually, I was actually thinking this morning, what what if we had uh, our client? Judy like, and Matt. Yeah. We need to have Judy a and Matt. We can have them as guests. Or they would, No, Judy and Matt would do well here. Or, some or, or, or like Jin and Kay. We could have them here. Uh, you, we could have some of our past clients because Frank and China would be fabulous. Oh, Frank and China would be right on here. They would be fabulous. Let's do that. Let's invite some clients. You guys got some clients you might want to invite? Yeah, for 
sure. We, we should. should. That'd be fun. We fine. should turn this into like the, we could find some. the Rogan podcast and start rolling joints. And make <laughs> <laughs> that's the after hours one. Yeah, that's after hours. Turn aside after after yeah. work. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, cool. What, 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 how are we on time? Uh, we're probably good. Minutes right now. All right, I think we're good at we're with good. that. I think we're great. Well, thank you everybody for listening, and I hope you tune in next week. I hope this was very beneficial to you. I hope you learned some things about this absolutely insane market. And yes. uh, thanks for putting up with us for 50 minutes. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Do we want some more? Thank you for listening to the Maddox Podcast. Thank you to our producer, Sam Loveman of Painless Podcast, for helping make this podcast possible. We started this podcast so we could share our real estate insights as well as provide our listeners with a chance to get to know the Maddox team. Our goal is to make our clients' real estate sale or purchase as simple as possible, allowing them to sit back while we handle the hard work. To learn more about what we do or to look up resources about the Bay Area communities, visit our website at maddoxrealestate.com or give us a call at 510-993-0688.